0: On this edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm joined by my Syracuse.com colleagues, Brent X and Donna DeToda. We discuss Judah Mintz's decision to return to Syracuse for his sophomore year, his impact on next year's Orange, the lineup possibilities that new coach Adrian Autry will have at his disposal, and where we think Syracuse will finish at the end of the 2024 season. Welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters, and today we've got the whole gang back together, folks. Uh, As John Belushi said in the Blues Brothers, right, Brent? I saw that last night. We're getting the band band back together. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Once again, Mike, with a rando movie reference. Thank (laughs) you. Not just (laughs) me, it was
0: Brent. It was Brent had the awesome. I started
2: this one, yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. I got a call, just FYI, everybody. It's going to be hard to uh, enunciate as well, but here we go.
2: Donna's going to,
0: she's going to fight through today. Um, so, but we're all, we're, we're here because Judah's back. Uh, the news came out on Wednesday night. Uh, you know, uh, news that Syracuse fans have been waiting two months for, and Judah made them wait almost up until the final minutes before <laughs> the was day 905 the was What was that, Donna? I think it was 9.05. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my my wife and my daughter and I were all watching the last Ted Lasso, and the, they were, the uh, the girls were getting annoyed because I had my phone in the, in my hand, uh, waiting for Judah updates. So, but yeah, so Judah gives Syracuse fans the news they had been hoping for, announcing that he's going to return to Syracuse for his sophomore year after uh, going through the NBA draft process, including the combine. And I guess Brent and Donna, the first thing I want to ask is. Were you surprised by Judah's decision? Did you think he was going to stay in the draft? Or did you think he was going to come back?
2: You know, I honestly thought that he was coming back all the way. And the later the day went, the more I was starting to question myself. Uh, By the way, you know that little report you get on Sundays that your iPhone sends you, your screen time report? I think mine this week, given all the time I spent on my phone yesterday, she's going to be like, dude. Get off the phone. But anyway, that's a whole different topic for a different day. I honestly thought he was coming back all the way because of conversations I had with a scout, because of the feedback that I got and saw out there. I just didn't think he was in a good position to get draft. Now, Don and I were kind of talking about this in our in our in our work thread yesterday. Like, I'm not good at deciphering social media code these days, but Judah had like a, a an Instagram story. That was a song and song lyrics and it was kind of like, believe it in yourself. And I, I was like, I don't know, that kind of feels like he's going to bet on himself and go to the NBA. But I don't know. I just kind of had this feeling all along that we were going to see what we saw last night. And it was just kind of building the drama. I don't know why you waited till nine o'clock at night. I mean, prime
1: time, maybe. I don't know. I, we'll have to talk to Jude about that. But
2: I did think he was he was coming back. Donna, I think you had the opposite opinion, right?
1: I did um, because I think Judah is a is a guy who bets on himself. He's extremely confident, which is one of the things I really love about him. And I think it's very very hard for guys when they're in that position and they're surrounded by NBA people. They're surrounded; they're in NBA settings to see something that you want so badly right there, and then to pull back and say, you know what? I don't think I think I'm going to wait a year, or I think I'm maybe not quite ready, or I think I'm maybe not quite good enough. I just can't. I could not imagine Judah saying that. I think he is um, one of the most, the fiercest competitors that Syracuse has had. He reminds me a little bit of Tyus, and that um, both really, really tough, fierce guys who are desperate to win or are desperate to play well. And I just think it was, um, it would would have been really hard for him, and I'm sure it was very hard for him to step away from something he's wanted his entire life and say, you know what, I'm coming back to school for another year.
0: Yeah, I can see. I, I was going in the weeks leading up to it. I was going back and forth. I think he's going to stay in the draft. Uh, maybe not, you know, it's like, so yeah, I, I spent, uh, even yesterday waffling back and forth. And of course we, we all had two versions of stories written, you know, (laughs) whether it was actually two different stories or we had a couple paragraphs, then we were going to take one out. So, um, all right. So second question for you guys. So he comes back, he announces he's coming back. What's the immediate impact on this Syracuse team, the Syracuse roster?
1: Well, I think yeah, clearly they know who their point guard is going to be. That's the, the position that's settled at this point. I mean, I think it, without Judah, it would have been, um, you know, who would have the point guard be? And I think it would have been sort of a point guard by committee. I think they would have had a number of guys who may have played a little bit of lead guard. Or I think they—I I don't know exactly the designations that they're going to have this year. I mean, I think Judah clearly at this point is a point guard, but I think they're going to play a, a different way this year. I think they're going to have more wings and more more guards on the floor at the same time. And I think, um, you know, putting a bunch of facilitators on the court at the same time is, is really interesting. It's it's kind of the trend of where basketball is going these days. And, you know, I wrote a piece today that, you know, the two best teams in the ACC last year played a lot of forwards and a lot of guards and not a big guy. And so I think it, at point guard, I think, you know, would, would Quattier have been their point guard? Would would um, would J.J. Sterling have been their point guard? It's, it's hard to know. You know, we, we haven't gotten into any of the um, – Really, really nitty gritty of how those guys have practiced or how they uh, how they've meshed as a team. So it's hard to really project. But now, clearly, that position is settled. They got a point guard.
2: I think the most important thing is now this team has a center, not literally the position, like a center, a rock, a sure thing. Because when you go around the roster, everything else, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of potential, but there's also a lot of questions. Like, look at just look at the guard position. You got three talented players that have come in. As transfers, but they were all hurt last year in some capacity. And we're all kind of wondering what the recovery is and what the acclimation process is and how they would work. I think that that's asking a lot of that position for someone to come in and lead right off the bat, which I think JJ Starling naturally would do. But Judah, as Donna was talking about just walks right in and you know who the, the guard is, the center position itself is a, is a question mark. And I think they did some good things there, but we have to see how that plays out. Your other two returning starters in Chris Bell and Benny Williams, obviously we've seen moments. We've seen flashes from both of those guys, but they have to make a lot of progress and and take steps forward this year. Judah just brings calm. He brings confidence. Like I know what I'm getting from that guy. And that's what this team needed. I mean, this is a program in transition right now. And I think people are excited about some of the possibilities about, and we'll kind of talk about it, what kind of lineups we could see and, know, what Adrian Autry is doing with his program, but they needed some stability and bringing Judah back is like, Oh, okay. Like as a Syracuse fan, I know what I'm getting if I'm thinking of it from that standpoint, and that's got to make you feel good. You know,
0: he, he's now the third starter that'll come back from last year's team, but the other two guys were Chris Bell and Benny Williams. They had seasons that were more typical of a freshman and a young player. I know Benny was a sophomore who barely played as a freshman, They had typical type seasons. Judah had a remarkable freshman season. So he gives them now somebody who's not only got a year as a starter, but also a a year of success, consistent success under his belt. And I think it's really going to help Syracuse with that early schedule. Going to Maui, playing Oregon on a neutral court, probably it got a road game against Georgetown. And then you have that SEC opponent, that those are tough games. I can't imagine that te- you know, going into that early season schedule, you know, with a backcourt of you know two guys that didn't play much as freshmen, or and both had injuries last year, and Chance Westry and, and JJ Starling. So now I, I I think JJ's, I mean uh, Judah's return is is just a big boost for Syracuse. You're talking about lineups and rotations. I kind of want to go a different angle than that right now. Three point shooting. Mm. Obviously they lose Joe Girard. And even with Judah back and the other guys they've added, what's this team where where are the three-point threats? And and how is this team going to create space for guys like Judah, JJ, you know, who like to drive to the basket or play in that mid-range area?
1: Well, I mean, the guys that they have coming back, the three guys that, they, that shot the that they have coming back that shot the ball well last year were um, Benny, who improved his three-point shooting immensely. Um, he shot almost 40% from three last year. Um, Justin Taylor, who shot almost 40% from three last year, and Chris Bell, who shot around 35%. All those guys shot the ball really well last year from the three-point line. The problem was they didn't get a lot of opportunity to shoot the ball. Um, the the ball was mostly in the hands of Joe and mostly in the hands of Judah last year. And and you know, the entry passes mostly went to, to Jesse. I mean, those were the three best their three best players last year. So naturally, I suppose that, that would happen. But I think those other three guys were a little bit underutilized, and I think those three guys have have to shoot the ball as well or better this season. And then you have to hope that JJ and chance shoot the ball better than they shot it last year. Now, obviously they both had seasons of injury and Notre Dame had a terrible year last year. So I think judging what they did last year upon it, about a season that was not, you know, all that great for either of those two guys for, for various reasons um, is, uh, is, is, is you know, not what we should do, but um you know they they have to get they have to shoot, they shot the ball three ball well last year they just didn't take many threes and I think you know college basketball being as it is basketball being it is as it is they need it they need it. those two guys who are coming in those two guards who are coming in to shoot it better and they need the three guys that they had shoot it well sh- continue to shoot it well
2: I think Chris Bell's the key there because I mean how many times did we hear talk about you guys wrote about that they loved Chris Bell in practice shooting the ball right like this guy could could light it up at times and it felt like that Jim Beheim last year, like kind of gave him the green light to shoot and he would get open and he'd have these shots and he'd be like, okay, what kind of day are we going to have here? So if he can match some of those stories we've heard, right. Of what he can do there. I think that adds to it because I know Justin Taylor can shoot threes. I just think with another year uh, off season workouts going into a season, like I know he can do it. And then obviously Judah, look, we saw a couple games at the end of last year. We're like, Oh, what do we got here? Judah men sitting, the four or five three pointers in a game. We started to see that that natural build, and I think that's ultimately. And Mike, I wonder if you agree, but I think that's ultimately why he's not going to get drafted. Why he's not in the draft? I mean, you just you need that three point shot in in the game these days. And if there's any weakness, especially at the guard position, like it's just going to knock you down the a, a lot of pegs in terms of you know players at that position. I think there was a lot of players in the in in this draft in particular that just elevated over him because of that. I think he needed that that extra year to work on that and and you know that's a benefit for Syracuse because you're getting a great player who while he's working on his game makes Syracuse a better team.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you guys. I especially agree with Donna there when she's talking about the forwards being maybe the guys who are going to shoot at the most and shoot at the best from three-point range. You know Chris Bell, Benny, and and Justin Taylor. Two stats though uh, that I love that it's not like the backcourt can't shoot. Judah last year in ACC play, a twenty twenty ACC games, he made thirty three percent of his threes. Now thirty three percent isn't awesome, but it's not horrible either. It's, and, it's not horrible, and
1: he he was better at the end of the season, mm-hmm.
0: right? Absolutely. And JJ Starling was the reverse of that. J.J. got off to a decent start. His first 17 games at Notre Dame, he, was, he made 35% of his threes. And then he had the shoulder thing. Remember when he played at Syracuse at the Dome yeah. and he had that, that, that tape on his shoulder? That was the first time we had really seen it. From that game on, for the last 11 games, his shooting just plummeted. And I think it was because of the shoulder. And then late in the year, he had the knee. Yeah. I think J.J. can shoot. I mean, we, we all three saw him play at Baldwinsville High School. He can I don't shoot play with the
1: ball. City
0: Rocks. He didn't he yeah. didn't forget how to shoot. The kid can <laughs> shoot. I think I think he's the 35% shooter or even better from 3 next year if he's healthy. So I think well, he's going to be okay.
2: I th- and the thing I'm excited about with these lineups and this team is Adrian Autry set it from the jump here. They're going to push it and I think we're going to see some three guard lineups. We're going to see some exciting play. And Judah's so great in the mid-range game that let's just say you're just not having a, a good night shooting the three, which it's just going to happen inevitably, right? You can adjust. And that's what I like about this, this roster as we now know it. As Donna did a great job analyzing in her story that's up on circus.com Like, okay, now we know what we got here in terms of this team. So while three-point shooting, we know how important it is. I like how many options this team has like, okay, that's not working. Go to plan B. All right. That's screwed up. Go to plan C. Like I think this team gives you choices with Judah coming back. Yeah. When you think about the permutations that Adrian
0: Autry can, can have here with roster stuff. I mean, we talk about three guard lineups with JJ Judah and chance Westry. Um, You know, you talk about a, a bigger lineup shooters with Chris Bell and Justin Taylor. What if you move Justin Taylor to the two for a few minutes? You're huge now in the backcourt. Naheem McLeod at center at 7-4 is massive. And you can back him up with a true center like Munir Hima if you want. But you could also go with Malik Brown. And now you have this athletic backcourt. And maybe you're playing man-to-man. I'm intrigued. I got to tell you.
1: I really like Malik Brown in the middle option. I mean, um, because he's so nimble. He moves really well. He gets up and down the court really well. The problem he had last year was he was just too small. He was just getting bounced around underneath there. And like I said, a lot of teams are going with smaller lineups. And I think he can hold his own in the middle. He's a very smart player. He's great around the rim. Um, You know, he's going to have to diversify his offensive skill set to be able to do something other than dunking or, or, or scoring underneath the basket. And I think he's capable of doing that. Um, and I think they're going to play a little bit differently last this year. So it's, it's not going to matter so much that he's only going to be an inside guy, but um, you know, I really like him as a, as a small ball five man. And I, I think that lineup is going to be used this year. I love the, the option
0: of having Naheem McLeod and I like, like, like I like Malik at the five too. I think it's intriguing. I love just having in your arsenal, the ability to send in a seven foot four, 255 pound guy when you go up against Armando Baycott that's right, or, or DJ Burns from NC State, and mm-hmm. and just putting Naheem between these guys in the basket, saying, "You know what? If you can shoot over that guy, right,
2: Salute, right." Well, right. and Don- Donna, I'm going to steal this point right from you. Look at Miami last year. Miami had this great run, and they didn't exactly overwhelm me with size. They, they, they did it with speed. They did it with lineups. They did it with creativity.
1: That is and- six seven center.
2: And it's sick. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, well, that's not an apples to apples comparison, but if you can get Malik Brown going in that smaller lineup where you're pushing it and you have guards uh, filling out their potential the way they are and they stay healthy, like this, this could be a really fun team to watch.
1: Yeah. I think fun is the, is the word, right? I mean, you know, we're obviously we're all in the honeymoon. We all love Adrian and we hope he does well. And we're all in the phase of, um let's let's see you know let's see what happens there's so many possibilities it's so intriguing it's an, uh, all new and everything all new is always really really interesting and really really fun but i do think just the composition of this team is going to make them a little bit more fun i think they're going to be a little less half court oriented um again granted you know teams are not going to let you just randomly run on them you're going to have to do some things to get your running game going but I really feel like it's going to be a different a different pace, a different style of play, and um, especially, you know, they're going to play man defense, and it's going, to, it's going to look completely different. And I, for one, am all for it. Oh, let's go. Let's see, how, let's see what it looks like. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's have a game. Let's, let's play a game. Can we,
2: can we have a little bit of a summer first? Just, just, to, just, a, little, just <laughs> yes, a little. I would
1: love to have a summer. Thank it
2: you. It is funny, though. You wake up. It's June 1st as we talk here, and Syracuse fans are saying the same thing on oh. Twitter and, and everywhere else. Like, let's go. Like, is it November yet? Let's rock and roll. And that it speaks to, like you said, Don, it's honeymoon period. Everybody's intrigued. But look, now that we know what's happening here and what this roster is, like Adrian Autry went to work and, you know, put a roster together with transfers, getting Judah to come back. They did lose Jesse Edwards, which hurts. You, you weren't going to get everybody back, as we know. And Joe Girard, of course, transferred out as well, which we expected. That was, you know, not, uh, you know, a surprise by any stretch of the imagination. But if we're like slapping a grade on on what Adrian Autry has done to in the era of the transfer portal, NIL, and just everything that he had to deal with coming and like jumping into a rapid river from day one, I think he's done a pretty good job considering.
0: Well, let me ask you
2: guys this. Where
0: would Syracuse have finished? And if you want to say like ACC finish or if you want to say like I think they would have made the tournament and lost first round or they would have missed the tournament. All right. So with Judah versus without Judah, where where would where would you have think where do you think you would have had Syracuse without him, and now with him? How how much of a real
1: uh, impact are we talking? Well, you guys know how how awful I am at this. I am the worst. Like, don't ask me anything of any kind of future predictions. I'm terrible at it. I mean, clearly they're better with him than they are without him. Um, but they, they still have a lot of things that they have to be able to do this year. I mean, again. I I'm running that story today, they they need to play much better defense and they need to be able to rebound. Those are the two major problems that they had last year. And can they address those two areas and just be better? You don't have to be great at either of those areas, but you just have to be better. And so until those two areas, until we figure out what's going to happen in those two areas, defense and rebounding, I think offensively they're going to be they're going to be good. They're going to be fun to watch and they're going to be fine. But could they do those other two things?
2: I think without you... She dodged, they,
1: Brand, Can you give I me a prediction? Really
2: Here we go, right? It, it's, it feels like a political debate. I'm just going to come in and drop the hammer. <laughs> without Judah Mints, they don't make the tournament. There, I think there's just way too much that had to progress through the year and acclimate. There's already an acclimation and a transition happening as it is. You brought up a good point earlier about the schedule early on. And look, the ACC is... Yes. Maybe not the bear it used to be in in like recent years and other leagues have surpassed it, but it's still a tough league, right? With Judah Mintz, I think you have a guy that's going to take over a few of those tough games. That's going to give you over the hump. And Donna, I think you made the point. They just have to be better. They don't have to be great. They just have to make that natural progression. There's still a lot of things that have to happen here. Don't get me wrong. But I think with Judah Mintz back, So you're 17 and 15 last year. What do you need to make the tournament this year? Three or four more wins and you're in the conversation. I think he makes that kind of difference. So here on June 1st, I'm going to say it, guys. They're making the tournament. They're going to do it. And look, Autry's in a honeymoon here, but we all know patience is shorter these days and what the college basketball structure is if they don't make the tournament this year, Professor Waters, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I'm right on this. This would be the first time since the mid-1960s that they would miss the tournament three years in a row. Like, you can't can't have that in in college basketball today. So that'd be huge if they did it, and I'm just – I'm going to say it. Judah Mintz is back. They make the tournament. Mark the tape.
0: Yeah, I I think they make the tournament too because – Again, I go back to that early season schedule. I I think that early season schedule would have uh, been a little bit too uh, big of a hill to climb if your backcourt were two transfers and they both were freshmen last year and they're both coming off injuries and everyone's figuring each other out. And without Judah, you're asking some guys to make a real significant leap in order to be as good as you need to be. With Judah coming back, you're just asking guys to get a little better. Everyone else just get a little better whether it's Naheem McLeod or Chris Bell or Benny Williams or Justin Taylor or whoever it is, just get a little better. And you will, you're going to be fine. I tell you what too, we haven't talked about chance Westry enough. Mm. I, know, I know he was hurt so much that he didn't play hardly at all at Auburn last year. Right. But boy, I remember that kid in high school, Syracuse was after him when he was at, like a freshman down in Harrisburg. That's right. Man, if he's healthy, I, I, he could be a very interesting weapon, whether he starts or comes off the bench. He's part of that three guard look. Um, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm very uh, interested in seeing where, where chance Westry's at. The thing that I, I was really intrigued with, with, with chance was everybody that I talked to about him said he's a much better passer than anybody will ever imagine. And if you look at tape of him, he is such a great passer. He's got a really good basketball IQ. He, he sees the floor really well. And he's big. He's six, six, Um, he rebounds a little bit too out of the guard spot, um, which is important uh, as me, the rebound obsessive, uh, is, um, and, and, you know, I, I do think that he can be able, he can score, he can, he can get to the basket, he can score at the rim. Um, I think he's really, really interesting guy because of his size and because of his basketball IQ and because of the way he can make plays. I think he fits perfectly in the way that Syracuse wants to play.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. So here we are, June 1st. Oh, I know. You know, I think the portal is closed now. The roster's full. The NBA draft is over. Um, And now Adrian Autry and his staff probably get a little bit of time here before they hit the road in July, and they'll start looking ahead. They've already got two commitments in the 2024 recruiting class. Donnie Freeman out of D.C., Elijah Moore out of New York City. this has been one of y'all mentioned the honeymoon period for Red Autry. Um, uh, Brand might have been you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think the honeymoon ends now, right? And now, <laughs> and, and because and, and it basically everything's turned out really well on this honeymoon.
1: Well, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, say something conversely to that. Um, I think he needs a year or two to try to oh, get his yeah. footing and, and try to figure out how to run a team and try to how, and try to figure out how these roster permutations are going to work and all this. Like if Circus if doesn't make the tournament this year, I'm not going to be like, oh, fire the guy. Let's go. I mean, it takes a while. It's a brand new system. There's a lot of brand new guys on this team last year, this year. And we're talking about losing Jesse Edwards, who was extremely impactful last season. He was the best rebounder on the team by far. And, you know, and, and a really good defender in the middle of the zone. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be much harder than we might anticipate it off our high of Judy's coming back. And we've got the band back together in in terms of Syracuse's team. Um, And so I, I'm honestly, I I feel like I'm going to, he needs a year or two, maybe even just to figure out how it works, how everything goes.
0: Yeah. I didn't mean to suggest uh, that like, Oh, all of a sudden now everyone gets to like be critical or something. I'm just in terms of like the honeymoon period. I think it's like when you return from a honeymoon, like whether you went away for a week or two, well, now you're back home, <laughs> and now you're here. You are, and you're, you know, you're now. You're, you're, The guys are going to be coming back in July. All the players, they'll be here. You'll start your workouts. And now, just really starts the day to day. It seems like they, like all the coaches, have just been like hamsters on a wheel, right? Going crazy ever since the season ended. I think now they're going to get a chance to maybe kind of settle into the day to day stuff. He's yep. going to now have time to put in his system. They'll work with these guys beginning in July. They'll have all summer with them.
2: Well, the I'm work not trying to put any undue pressure on him, but here's where I'm going to kind of right. meet this. I'm going to meet this in the middle here. Autry's been there. They know him, and it's been a real credit to him that What did we hear Chance Westry say, J.J. Starling say, Judah Mintz in his video last night, relationships, right? The relationships that Autry and this staff had with these players to either bring them back in Judas' case, or to come to Syracuse in Chance and JJ and you know some of these transfers that liked the prior relationships they had. So I feel like they have sort of a head start to do this. It'd be a different feeling if this was a whole new thing coming in. So Autry definitely needs time to put his own style in play. Yeah, he's been there, but it's it's a lot different. And when you know, it's, you're it's a lot different. Point. It's yeah. a lot
1: different from suggesting, like maybe we should take Judah out to taking Judah out. I mean, it's a lot different from from sitting on the bench and and speculating about what you would do, and then having to be in the pressure situation and making a determination. And that's really hard. And I, I don't at all diminish the difficulty of moving one seat over on a college basketball bench
2: but it does speak to the importance of Judah to this team. Like if Autry had to do all this without a known commodity, somebody that he can look at that bench at and know what he's getting, as opposed to I'm trying to figure out what I'm getting. Like, I think that's where that excitement comes from, where that stabilization comes from. And that feeling comes from out there about having a player, not just of Judah's talent back. I mean, I'm just excited to see what he can do. As a player next year, as the kids like to say, guys, he's got that dog in him. You know, like, I just <laughs> love watching him play. He attacks that basket like his next meal depends on it. And I just love watching that. And you need that attitude, that leadership, and and just a known thing on this roster. So that's where I, I feel like, okay, game on here. Whereas opposed to if he didn't come back, it's like, okay, we really got to turn up the patience machine as Adrian Autry puts his his own mark on this program.
0: Yep, and when you talk about Judah, it'll be real interesting. Look at the, the success rate of Syracuse point guards in their sophomore years, whether they started as freshmen or whether they didn't. Sherman Douglas, Jason Hart, Johnny Flynn, Michael Carter Williams. That sophomore year is when guys really start to kick in. Whether, Like I said, whether they started, and really Johnny Flynn was great as a freshman. Jason Hart was pretty good as a freshman, started every game. But, man, their sophomore years, those guys got better. You know, Michael Carter Williams stepped into that starting role as a sophomore. We'll see if we have that kind of a season from Judah Mintz. And if they do, Brent's going to be right.
1: <laughs> yeah. <But> I, I...
0: <laughs> yeah. Donna, 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 Donna gets, gets exasperated
1: by us, doesn't she? Brent? No, it <laughs> not nah, I've got a cold. I'm just a little on the cranky level right now just to be able to.
0: I love it. Well, I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, This has been a great discussion. I always love talking to my colleagues uh, about Syracuse basketball and whatever's going on. And Of course, this is a big one today. uh, On the heels of Judah Mintz's decision to return to Syracuse for his sophomore year. Brent, Donna, thanks for joining us here. Um, Donna, go get some hot tea or something. Take care of yourself. You did great. You powered through. You were awesome. It wasn't that hard, honestly. (laughs) Until next time on the podcast, everybody, we'll see you. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.